the name of God, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The collect is the short prayer that at the beginning of the service sort of sets the theme for the Sunday. And the, uh, the, the, the epistle that we have from James um, and also the gospel. We're, in all of these, um, the issue is religion of the heart. Heartfelt religion. Heartfelt religion. And so I want to talk about uh, this prayer that we have in our colic today. Graft in our hearts the love of thy name. Increase in us true religion. And true religion, not only in the sense of religion that is theologically correct, that it's the Catholic faith, that, is that which has always and everywhere and by all been taught, especially in the first uh, 500 years, the undivided, the, the, that, that period of the church when there no, no divisions appeared. Not only correct in that way, not only true religion in that way, but true in the sense of that it's, uh, it's real religion, that it's personal religion, that it's religion of the heart. So I'm going to talk about that this morning. Um, how can we understand this, this difference? Well, I'll tell you a little story about myself. Um, when I was uh, a teenager, uh, I was underfoot. My mother wanted to get me out of the house, and she noticed that my neighbor, my neighbor's son, who was older, he was five or six years older, he was, was going to a course that the Red Cross was giving on how to manage a pool. And you know there's a lot of chemistry involved in managing a pool. You have to get all of the chemicals correct and everything and everything like that. So she paid the fee and I went off with my neighbor and uh, it was all completely above my head in every way. But they had a little book there and in the book was a sample test. And as part of the sample test there was the list of the questions, the correct questions to the sample test. So for, I forget what it was, six or eight weeks, whatever it was, while the lectures were going on that I didn't understand, I uh, kept reading uh, the, uh, the questions and the answers that were in the back of the book. And so in, 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 in due course, I took the test. And I aced the test, I got 100 on the test. And I remember one thing from that test. I remember that, that pH, which is a chemical term, pH, it has to do with how base or acid something is, pH is the reciprocal of the hydrogen ion concentration. pH is the reciprocal of the hydrogen ion concentration. That's the correct answer. That's the truth. I have no idea to this day what a reciprocal is, and I have no idea to this day really. I have a vague idea what an ion is, but I don't think I really understand it. I had the truth, but I didn't have the truth. I had, as a famous uh, theologian and philosopher would say, I had notional knowledge, but I didn't have real knowledge. And I want to go back to the history behind this cathedral, because the history behind this cathedral comes out of a movement that was meant and designed and propagated in order to bring... Um, Christian people from a notional knowledge of holy things and of the real presence of Jesus Christ and bringing people 
from a notional knowledge of that to a real knowledge of that. From the truth, which is something that is known as the correct answer, but which is still at arm's length, to the truth which sets the heart on fire. I've been thinking and praying a lot about the future of our cathedral and of our mission and our ministry uh, here. Uh, we're you know, coming up on 150 years in, in a little while of our uh, founding. In 1884, they laid the, in 1884, they laid the, the cornerstone here. And I think all Christian churches in the old Christian homelands are doing some deep soul-searching and pondering about our future. What's our future going to be in this increasingly skeptical and um, society that is both secular and superstitious at the same time, but in which people are uh, turning away from the churches in large numbers? Um, what's going to be our future? And my conviction is that if you want to know where God is calling you tomorrow, you should look back at what he did in your life yesterday. And so I'm thinking about the history of the founding of this cathedral. Now this cathedral comes out of a movement in the Church of England called the Oxford Movement. And what was that movement about? Well, it was about this. It was about the difference between notional knowledge and real knowledge. It was it was a group of people centered in Oxford University, priests of the Church of England, professors at the university, and they sought to call their countrymen back to true religion, to religion of the heart. Uh, one of their number had as his motto, and I'm always a little bit nervous when Dr. Barnard is sitting in front of me to quote Latin, but I, I, she can tell me if I gotten this even close. His motto in Latin was cor ad cor loquitur, heart Heart speaks to heart, or heart calls to heart. It was, it was recalling people to um, to encounter the familiar words of the prayer book and the familiar sacraments of the church and the familiar realities of the church, to encounter those things in such a way that they became not something that was known at arm's distance, but something that was setting the heart on fire. It all started with a sermon in 1833, in July of 1833, July 14th, 1833. John Keeble, John Keeble was a priest in the Church of England. He was a quiet country parson. He was a very, very uh, humble man. Uh, but he was also one of the most famous poets that England has ever produced. Six years before this, he published a book, The Christian Year, a book of poems. It is, to this day, one of the most popular books of poems that have, has ever been published. In his lifetime, it went through 95 editions. Uh, I was reading a scholar about this, and they said that if you do the math, there were enough copies in circulation at the end of the 19th century that there would have been one copy for every five households in England. And then somebody else said, yes, but if you do the math about literate households versus illiterate households, it's probably more like one in three. And what was this book of poems? It was a book to be read alongside the Book of Common Prayer. Uh, there was a poem for every day of the Christian year, for, for, uh, for Christmas, uh, for, for Easter, for all saints, uh, for the baptism of the Lord, uh, uh, for Pentecost, for the weekdays of the, of the various octaves of the Christian year. 
And, and, and it, was meant, it was meant, what was he trying to do? He hoped that you would take his book of poems in one hand and you would take the very familiar. And maybe because it was so familiar, it was no longer alive to you. But you'd take the very familiar book of common prayer, you'd read these things together. And, and this was what he said, Kibo, about the purpose of poetry, to pierce the heart. Poetry are words that are designed to pierce the heart. In his case, he wanted words that would pierce the heart and that would cause the old words of the familiar religion to catch on fire and to touch people's hearts in such a way that it would bring them to their knees and raise them up again. He was aiming at uh, true religion. He was aiming at um, uh, an answer to this prayer, um, 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 graft in our hearts, Lord, the love of your name. The, uh, he was aiming at a new reverence for holy things, a new recognition of the living presence of Christ in the midst of his church, in the midst of his people, present to his people in through the scriptures and through the sacraments of the church. And uh, uh, he was aiming at recalling the clergy to their high calling to be instruments of God's personal dealing with his people. But uh, it was remarkable when this popular poet gave this sermon in July, National Apostasy it was called, he was, he was calling his, his countrymen to task for their irreverence, and he was calling them back to reverence. And people listened. It was a massively influential thing. And it spawned many, many things. And one of the things that it spawned was this cathedral that we, are, we have here today. Now, the first bishop, uh, the, the, the great personality that's behind the Diocese of Albany, our diocese in the Episcopal Church, and behind this great cathedral is William Croswell Jones, the first bishop of the Church of England. His father was George Washington Jones. George Washington uh, Doane, I'm sorry, George Washington Doane. George Washington Doane was the bishop of New Jersey, and George Washington Doane was an Oxford man. Um, the, 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 the Oxford dons, these Oxford fathers, these progenerators of the Oxford movement, sometimes called the Anglo-Catholic movement, sometimes called the Tractarian movement. They wrote tracts for the times. And their tracts were things like uh, the presence of Christ in the Eucharist, uh, the power of baptism, um, how to read the scriptures, how to live a holy life, the true calling of the clergy, things like that. They wrote these tracts and they were immensely popular. And uh, George Washington Doane would stand on the dock in New York with his, with his son, uh, William Croswell Doane, who became our first bishop and founded this cathedral. And they're waiting. They're waiting for the, for the tracks to come in on the, on, on, on the mail boats. This was the ethos that uh, our first bishop was brought up, was brought up in. And this, this revival for this re mo renewal movement for heartfelt religion produced so many things, a new appreciation of the centrality of the service of Holy Communion, a new appreciation of the real presence of Christ in the sacraments, a new appreciation of the high calling of the clergy, a new appreciation of the um, necessity of pursuing a holy life, a new concern for the dignity of all human people, 
of all human beings and of the church as a, indeed, universal fellowship and concern for social conditions of the poor and the working class. All of this, a revival in architecture, look around you. A revival in arts. Um, a revival in reverent ceremony of gestures that befit the solemnity of the words that we say when we pray the prayers of the, of the church. And what was the purpose of it all? Heart calling to heart. That you would have not, not a notion about religion, but a knowledge of true religion, of real religion, religion that takes hold of the heart and brings a person to their knees and, and raises, them, raises them up again. That, that is what this was all about in the very beginning. And if it's to have any future, that's what it needs to be about today. And so we pray this prayer, Lord, that, that you would um, bring home your truth to our hearts in such a way that they catch fire. And that we we have a real knowledge of you and of holy things and a real reverence for you and for holy things. And that that brings forth in our life gratitude and charity and mercy and repentance and forgiveness. And it brings forth in us good works of faith, hope, and love. In the name of God the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.